Hello and welcome to Power Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network where we reflect on Wabo's most trim work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And, and we have huh? a special guest with us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, uh, Sesh. Hi, I'm Sesh Evans. I'm a filmmaker, video game streamer, and occasional podcast guest. Yes, the official, uh, the official guest of the Doom Media Network. I think we can call you the <laughs> the the best go-to guest. I love it. <laughs> Um, yes, we have brought Sesh to uh, reflect on Cutting Class with us. Um, before we dive into uh, your thoughts, Sesh, I think it's best that we give a quick summary of the arc. Uh, we're talking about Cutting Class, which begins with 6.1, where the Caneteers, tired after all their partying in arc 5, attend a lesson uh, by Durache, who lives up to her scary reputation, and Lucy makes a fellow fox friend. Uh, yes, then we dive into some uh, extra material, and first up, it's the Famulus text. Uh, which is where we learn about familiars, all the sorts of variants of those, and, I mean, frankly, just how kind of controlling and gross the practitioner world is. Then we go into 6.2. Avery wakes up from the group nap first and trolls her socials. As the others wake up, the group cuts class to go hit up the library, like all rebellious young teens do. Between researching the Kenneth others, the gang walk in on Alexander leading an impromptu discussion on how to help Jess. Uh, yes, then the group collectively fails their charisma checks when eating with Yadira <laughs> and Raquel, uh, but Verna naturally <laughs> follows it up with a very strong natural 20 intimidation. Um, then Avery plays some lacrosse with the boys while Lucy and Verna chat with Ted, who is also quite intimidating. Yep. Uh, then it's back to the textbooks uh, to look at implements. We, again, learn how varied they are, sort of what, what they are, like conceptually, how they work. Um, I feel like I'm failing to make these sound exciting because it's hard to make the textbooks <laughs> sound exciting, but they are. We dive into another textbook. <laughs> it actually is cool, though. Yeah. Then we dive back into another chapter with Lucy and the gang brainstorm implement ideas before hanging out with Corbin and Melody and attended Bristow's self-indulgent class on knots. Afterwards, Lucy meets with Ray for advice, but ends up giving more than she receives. Mm, great scene, that one. I love it. Mm. Um, uh, in 6.5, we have Avery and Verona planning their contributions to Lucy's implement and attending Alexander's class on how he stole cl this class from Bristow. <laughs> uh, the one power play we've seen Alexander make, and it was so, so sweet. <laughs> um, and then all the other cool kids gather to help Jessica find her cousin before this party is unceremoniously crashed by Shelley, who crashes not only the party, but also our spirits. Uh, and then it's back into the textbooks for the third and final one, the Domain textbook, which, you know, again, tells us all the cool stuff with domains and how they work. And there's really cool examples. They are cool, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Then the Kenneteers hang out and give Matt and Edith a call, which goes so well, they end up with an offer for a house. Energized by the talk and the offer, the gang, uh, this word, <laughs> Alcazar, <laughs> yeah. Alcazars, that's right, Alcazars into Avery's photograph where we see Edith and the scene of the crime. I was like, what is mm. this Harry Potter word? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> taking these words from the written and turning them into the spoken word can sometimes be confusing. It, it's funny how you never realize until you actually have to say it. Like, I've even mm. written these scripts and then you, you get to the point where you have to say it and you're like, I don't know how to say this word. 
a demesne. <laughs> oh, yes, right. Yes, um, those. <laughs> right, so uh, in 6.7, Lucy begins the implement ritual finally, and we see what this ritual is going to be um, a bit. We, we, we see a first example of uh, this, this earring whispering her secrets in her life as we dive back in time to a class slash battle arena based <laughs> Hunger Games kind of vibe where uh, the, the students all have to battle each other and bind each other. Um, Lucy learns to trust her instincts and reads on people. Uh, yep, but then we dive back in with Lucy in 6.8, where we see a lot more of the implement ritual. It's kind of a... Uh, her earring just puts her in a bunch of situations and tells her to deal with it. Uh, we get, you know, the office meets the purge, uh, some remixes of old school stuff, um, a, a scene with Paul that was awful, uh, and there's even a wedding episode. <laughs> then 6.9, nice. Avery leads the Kenneteers as they step outside and try to figure out what happened over the weekend, but nobody will tell them. Yes. Uh, then we dive into the bonus material, a non-textbook bonus material. Whoa. Uh, it's binding in countermeasures. It is much, much worse than a textbook because the Kenneteers have to collect dirt on each of their friends and hope that they never have to use it. But knowing Wabo and knowing how just things go, almost certainly they will have to use some of this dirt. <laughs> Uh, and then we end off the arc with uh, 6.z, where we get in Fernanda's head and she rejects the idea of having a family. And also, Alexander acts in a way that is totally moral and defensible. Mm, I agree. These are my I own words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sesh, what did you think of Cutting Class? Oh, this might have been one of my favorite chapters, like, or arcs, I mean, like, it's. I really enjoyed it just for like the character study of it. Like I think the implement journey was amazing and my mm. highlight of the whole thing. Yeah. I'd almost call it the highlight of the story so far. I think those two chapters were just phenomenal. I'm so glad it was two. It deserved it. Yeah. And I want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the you're right, Elliot. It was kind of like a special, a set of special episodes. Um, and I absolutely love that vibe of just, completely unrestrained hey what would you do in this situation hey what would you do in this situation like um you know something i've always said is that the reason i love science fiction and fantasy is because it lets you examine moral and philosophical questions unconstrained by the bounds of like reality right and that's just exactly what that ritual was <laughs> literally hey lucy i'm gonna put you in a weird situation that's not confined by reality what are you gonna do I love it too, because it's also not just what are you going to do, but what are you going to want to do? Like, what kind mm. of person do you want to be with it? Which yes. is just, oh, it's so interesting. Like, what would I love to do in this situation? Rather than just, you know, going crazy or doing what she feels like doing now. Like, she was so thoughtful about all of her actions. Yeah, it's yeah. such a great mechanic to just do a character study um and, and as it was also said it's like it was two chapters but I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie i was still a little disappointed when we get to that bit in 6.8 and it starts skipping them because mm -hmm. like there's this implication that there were like you know days more of scenarios and i was like okay i guess we can't spend like four arcs just doing lucy's implement ritual but if wildbo had decided otherwise i probably would have gone along with it <laughs> same <laughs> definitely the same it makes me really really excited for the <laughs> others and one our other kenneteers i mean and seeing theirs like i really do mm. want, i don't want us to skip through them mm. yeah you're right I, I, it's interesting that i have this picture in my head of like oh the domain ritual is probably going to be really simple or the 
uh, the familiar ritual is probably going to re- be really straightforward. But I thought that when we were going into the implement ritual and then we find out it's like a two or three day long thing. And I was like, what's this going to be? And then of course it delivers in the best possible way. So uh, I'm sure that my vibes that these other two rituals are also going to be very straightforward is, is just completely wrong. <laughs> well, I guess if you think about like, uh, a wedding like if you compare the familiar ritual to a wedding which sort mm. of happens like yes the, there's like just the ceremony which might go for an hour or, or, or something but you've got all the other crap around it like what's all that other stuff that, that you have to do like i wonder if the familiar ritual mirrors wedding traditions in any way oh that's a good question i wonder i i'm very curious about it like i want to see the deep dive of what that is like i i do have like a a couple of notes here on where I think these the big three uh things will go with all the girls and Lucy has her implement. I think uh we really do need with Snowdrop for her familiar status to be formalized. And I am mm. so interested to see that. Like I wanna see it so much so. And I think she's someone that can in a way kind of be shared like all of them need to share these different three things in some way while <laughs> someone still takes point. And I, yes. I think Snowdrop can absolutely do that. Like she gets along with everyone, all of our Kenneteers at least. Yeah, that definitely tracks in the sense that she already is kind of not just Avery's companion, right? She is a companion to the entire group. Yes, she's mostly Avery's, but she's not, you know, completely dissimilar. Um, I wonder if uh, the like, I wonder if Verona and Lucy would be like maids of honor or <laughs> like mm-hmm. the in-laws or something. I don't know. Again, the question that that raises and one that I've found myself butting up against throughout this entire arc is how the hell is this going to work for Domain? I like. I have ideas. I have ideas. So one, I'm very, very glad that they got that out of the way that like property ownership is like, oh, here, we're some adults. Let's just give you some some property because you're children <laughs> and you can't own it, but we can give it to you. I, I thought that was perfect, and that's been, like, hanging over my head. I love how this world interacts with the real world. It makes me very happy with stuff like that. Um, so my idea with that is the center would be maybe everyone's. Like, picture kind of like a sun, and then maybe like three different spikes, and each of those spikes would be one of theirs. But I think what's going to happen is that Verana is going to be the main one for the domain. Like she, unlike the others, doesn't really have that home that feels like home. I think she mm. needs it, unlike the other two. Um, so I think it's going to end up being a default her spot. That makes Interesting. sense. Yeah, I, I guess I've been thinking about it from the perspective of Verona just doesn't want to get tied down and therefore there's no way a domain is going to work for her. But maybe the right way to think of it is instead, Verona doesn't want to get tied down because she hasn't found a positive place that she would want to spend time. And of course a domain exactly. would be for her because it's a magical house. Like, exactly. Absolutely. And like as much as I love Alfie and like she's great, I don't I don't necessarily feel a lot of like I don't feel like they're necessarily like on the same page with all these things. Like mm. we've seen with other familiars, like they wouldn't be finishing each other's sentences. Like they totally get mm. along and they're buddies. But I think in the same way that Lucy and Verona are where they're sort of opposites in a lot mm. of ways. Like there was a comment from Lucy earlier, how like she couldn't picture herself marrying an unkept guy in the future. Like she wouldn't find him reliable. And then like next chapter we're describing Lu- uh, Verona. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, burn. But yeah, an accurate burn. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think Verona might have been doing that equivalent on like crushing on the first person that like is nice to you. Yes. Uh like you know, you find out, oh, there's others and you can get one that's a familiar and it's like, oh well Alpie was nice. Uh, mm. you know, I'll I'll, you know, tie myself to a forever to her. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a bit of an extreme reaction. But um Yeah, she's I, yeah. she's sort of uh sort of impulsive, but I think it's more that she's just kind of wandering and I think it's because she doesn't have that home vibe, you know? Yeah. I, I I'm just curious to see how the other two might get worked in. Like they talked about yeah, all over there. Like I, yeah, I, I guess yeah. To what you're talking about before, I wonder if you can have like granny flats out the back in a domain. Is that like you can lease out, just lease out a bit of space to the other two, <laughs> right? Like you know, like they they're allowed to have like homes and houses, right? And those can have different bedrooms, and those different bedrooms can have different people in them. Like they're meant for families usually, right? So it mm. makes sense. But like, I guess the other thing is. Yeah, you'd almost need Lucy and Avery to definitely have their own space because if if you get to turn your domain into like whatever sort of space you want, like if they're not holding Verona to account, she's going to make it some weird like <laughs> Halloween house type shit, right? Like, you know, I wouldn't. <laughs> maybe oh my gosh! Fine. Okay, so for her ritual for this, we're going to get to actually see what she does. <laughs> mm. How exciting would that be? I mean, yeah, I definitely just want to dive into the these rituals for all of them, like, <laughs> legitimately. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to see all three of them do all three. Mm. Yes, I, I still kind of want that, but I'm not asking for too much of it. But... No, yeah. <laughs> I, don't... Yeah, I mean, it's Christmas, so maybe we can, you know, get a nice gift from Wapo. <laughs> I don't reasonably expect it, but I'd love it. Happily, yes. <laughs> um... All right. What other thoughts have we got about cutting class? What else should we dive into? Well, I think I finally decided what side of the fence I'm on with Alexander. Mm-hmm. I think the way he was able to uh, forswore people out of spite, I'd say, uh, he's basically just the worst. This wasn't <laughs> like a breaking point for him. This wasn't like a life or death situation. This wasn't at all something he needed to do or that he was under pressure like when you know when somebody like is put under pressure and that's like the worst self that comes out Mm. that wasn't him at this moment he knew there was going to be a play for the school he knew people were going to betray him and he just calmly did it i am so scared about what he's going to do next i mean yeah I, (laughs) i i i totally agree like i i just don't See a situation. I don't see the situation as this having been absolutely necessary, mm. especially to your yeah. own nephew. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fair. We <laughs> we've had a just just literally today as we we're recording this, we've had a lot of back and forth discussion in the Discord about <laughs> this very thing uh, because surprisingly, people uh, were surprised. People were surprised by my take in in uh, our most recent episode that. Maybe this isn't necessarily the worst thing. Um, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm he... on the unpopular <laughs> side of this argument here. See, here's the thing. He could have just threatened to do it. He could have been like, "Oh, I have this, and I'm gonna have that hanging over your head. So don't totally betray me. Just you know, bye." <laughs> he he did. I mean, he didn't fully do that, but he did do a version of that sesh, right, where he says. <laughs> 
I'm prepared to forswear you, Seth. And Seth's response is, yeah, come on then, do it, mate, basically. Um, but no, you're right. It's it's rough. It's it's definitely not a a thing that a hero would do. Would do. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah. He, he's going to be interesting later. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it just kind of reinforces to us this idea that Alexander is the kind of person who plays with cards up his sleeve, right? We've seen the card that he had up his sleeve for Seth. And it's definitely true that he didn't even seem like he wasn't backed into using it. He just did it, <laughs> right? So, yep. I mean, let's. I, I'm curious what cards he'll play when he gets really backed into a corner. We'll have to see. It also, yeah, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, he didn't even get anything out of it, right? Maybe a bit of a power boost. <laughs> yes. He seemed like unsure about that, but it's more he yeah. he destroyed Seth's whole life just to make sure <laughs> Seth couldn't go to Bristow. Well, yeah. maybe a little bit as an example, because I think mm, it was mm, a big overreaction. True. So I think he has like bigger things in mind, and he was sort of just uh, flaunting a little bit. Yeah, I I think it he I mean he explicitly says it's kind of a mostly a warning to the other three that have just mm-hmm. defected of like hey this is what you're up against like don't don't get too high and mighty don't get too secure in your position with Bristow because if I wanted to I could probably fuck you all over right yeah yeah I suppose he wants them to keep a toe out of the water in Bristow's camp and like leave themselves open to you know double double crossing bristow Mm. um yeah interesting Mm. interesting that you raised that idea elliot do Mm. we think that there's any what is it i guess a triple agent do we think that there are any triple (laughs) agents among bristow's gang now or is that too crazy Ooh, maybe chase see i wouldn't have thought it before the interlude but now that you've said it i'm kind of (laughs) like i can see chase having depth that none of us imagined that he has with the he, he's gonna get fucking snaped right like I, he, he thought might. he was just this piece of shit but actually he's a piece of shit but also is secretly good well what was funny yep. is like him defecting is like the one good thing we've seen him do like he kind of did that <laughs> for his family not for him so it'd be kind of hilarious if that was a lie uh, it was like the, the first semi-good thing he's done so no oh would. that would be so juicy <laughs> That makes it more likely, right? The fact that the one non-selfish thing he's done could actually just secretly be a power play. I love that idea. Um, no, I, I actually think they're probably all just turned, but, like, that's yeah. the whole thing with practitioners is they're, like, they'll just go wherever they see, like, is best for them. So, like, as soon as Alexander can present himself as the better offer, um, I could see a bunch of people going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, that's how they are. <sighs> I love Alexander, though. I I can't help it. Like he's fun. He's just so much fun to have as a character, especially because he's not in active opposition to our trio. Like <laughs> the fact that he's just a piece of shit that's kind of out there doing his own thing. I'm kind of on on board with. Yeah, he looks a lot better with Bristow beside him. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, that's what it is, right? Bristow is just terrible in comparison at least alexander i mean it comes down to this for me at least alexander pretends to be nice right like at least he at least he pretends to be nice most of the time that's <laughs> that's enough for me to think that there's something in there at least he has an understanding of right and wrong and he can pretend to be on the good side sometimes because bristow just 
doesn't see any <laughs> problem with what he's doing in to the extent that he it's unclear whether he even knows if what he's doing is wrong, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think I could agree with that. I'm just I'm excited to see both of them do a lot more. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, as this war starts to kick off, it's, yep. it's sh- like surely going to be amazing. <laughs> but it's crazy we're referring to it as starting to kick off when, by all accounts, it's already over, right? <laughs> like every character in the story is like, yeah, it's been decided, but that's just clearly not like emotionally where it feels like it is. Well, that's right. because the three real players just showed the up. three characters <laughs> haven't gotten involved. Uh, it'd be really funny, actually, if like their whole art. Like the whole school and the having that is just completely on the sidelines the entire story, and our Kenneteers never actually really get involved. It's all just hearsay, and they're just like, oh, <laughs> oh, now this guy's teaching because the other guy was just you know forsworn yesterday. All right, <laughs> yeah, they just have a, a rotating door of teachers, and we never really find out what's going on. We just see this. All, all it's used for is as, as a kind of guest teacher of the week kind of vibe. <laughs> Well, they just get sick of it. It's like, like you know, two days of lessons, and they're like, "This is crap." Now let's go home, and then we just go back to the murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Let the school be like, oh, that place is yeah. a mess. <laughs> yeah, this place sucks. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, let's see. I did make a couple of other little things. I basically wrote everything down, so I know I I got a lot here, but oh, no, this is great. About all of it. Yeah, um, let's get into it. Yeah, uh, so one of the things, I think I did notice it coming up more in this art, is I thought it was very interesting that of our three animals uh, that the trio chose for their mask slash spirit animal, uh, Avery, the deer, is our only herbivore and has started to become a vegetarian. I can't believe Mm. I didn't notice that. That's such a good pick. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. What a fun catch. It was it was so interesting. Well, because, I mean, it's kind of how it happened with me. I just kind of stopped eating meat. I was like, do you just not have a meat? Do you have, like, a vegetarian option? And you just start asking and asking, and all of a sudden, you're just not eating meat anymore. Like, that's exactly how it happened to me. So I'm just like, oh, heck yeah. Grilled mu- portobello mushroom burgers? I'm into this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I like that a lot. And I do see, like, with her, the story mo- moving forward. Because originally I, like, thought about this, but I didn't connect it till later on, is that Avery's... I mean, she's we know she's kind of the oddball out. Like, we didn't really know this very, very early on. It's become more and more clear. And mm. I thought of it for, like, the animals, too. Like, especially... Because uh, in my head, I'm like, why didn't she? Why didn't Lucy go with like a wolf instead of like a fox? But it was interesting to me because foxes, like they are related to dogs, like they are a canine, but they actually have a lot of evolutionary traits that are more like cats. Mm. Mm. So like they're, you know, both of those two are these like crafty, uh, clever little predators, and maybe uh, omnivores a little bit, and. And then we have a deer. It's just totally different. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I like that. Good Good animal symbolism. I'm trying to think what are the things that come to mind when I think of cats or foxes and see if we can see them, uh, you know, presenting more in the personalities of the corresponding uh, Kenneteers. But I love the vegetarian one. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, Verona seems like the easiest to me. Like she is 
I mean, there's a reason she keeps just turning into a cat. It's because she's already half <laughs> yeah. there. She's yeah. very much a cat, yes. <laughs> I mean, she basically would just lie in a sunbeam pretty much. Yeah. So I, I do kind of see that. Um, um, but this also makes me realise, like, have they pulled out the masks at all at school yet? Like, everyone's going hmm. on about how powerful they are, but I don't think they've put on their full kit. Or did they in the, the tournament chapter? thought that they did i'm i'm pretty bad about keeping track of that yes me too uh, they definitely haven't been uh, unless it's like to the point where they've just started wearing them so much that they're not commenting on them i definitely haven't seen them that much so it's like you're right they're fighting with effectively what one hand behind their back kind of vibe um lucy definitely wore her mask in in six odd seven i've just control left mask nice <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it it just makes me think because it's funny. Like I remember Alexander had that whole thing because he, when he first saw them in like two dot Z, he was trying to figure out what the masks were because I think when they first awoke, we were told people usually do it naked, and so mm. that that's like they're mm -hmm. more powerful when they're in their masks and their capes because that's how they aw awoke. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I just think it'd be hilarious. Like if if the war starts up at the school and s stuff starts to get serious and they put on these goofy capes and masks. <laughs> and everyone's gonna be like what are you doing that's been my thought this whole book <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to see actual masks <laughs> i can't wait to see actual witches and wizards comment on it though <laughs> doing? I mean, yeah right like they're gonna legitimately get into some harry potter shit um i just I want one of them <laughs> i just want one of them to poke fun like where's your wand <laughs> <laughs> well do you think like if they put on their masks and appear, people are going to make fun of them at the school. <laughs> like, I can kind of see it where it's just so strange. <laughs> Somebody runs off to like the like custodial storage room and grabs a broom for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I I can't remember in any of this world reading about wearing a mask like that. Yeah, I think it's yeah, quite unique. it seems unique. I mean. I guess the closest we have to it is just the concept of like an implement in general, right? Where it's this thing that is a kind of part of your identity. And so you keep it around with you because you're not to an extent whole without it. It, it does feel like the way that these Kenneteers awoke is kind of implement light or domain light. You know, they've got their masks, which are their mm -hmm. equivalent of an implement. They've got their, they've got Kennet, which is their, you know, light version of a domain. They've got Snowdrop, which is kind of their light <laughs> version of a familiar, or just even all of the townspeople in general are kind of yeah. familiar to them. Um, That's actually a really good thought because they kind yeah. of interacted with them specifically during the awakening. Yeah, I like that. Hmm, I do yeah. like that. Yeah, it's also it's also different with these three. Like everything that they're doing seems just it's totally different. Like it's not getting like the in depth normal anything that we're supposed to be getting like diving into this world if we followed any other characters yeah <laughs> I, I, almost to the extent that i wonder if their embracing of an implement domain and familiar in the traditional sense is a, a to some extent them moving away from this more unique relationship with kenneth that they have and more into a traditional like practitioner box hmm yeah and i wonder what that means hmm precedences <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting uh, uh, yeah i mean this is the fun part of this part of the story right <laughs> is the more time they spend at the blue heron institute the more they are uh, unintentionally somewhat moving away from 
you know, their, their origin story of being best friends with all these others, right? They are learning things like binding that we know are making the Kenneth others uncomfortable. So I'm eager to see the ramifications of that kind of uh, drifting away, I guess. Maybe. I, I don't feel like they're um, digging deeply at all. Well, they're digging deep, but they're not buying into the uh, otherism <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that's going on in all of the studies and all of the attitudes of everyone at this entire school. Mm. Yeah, but it definitely feels like when they go back to Kennet properly, um, you know, they're going to be more powerful and more learned. And the dynamic of the town has changed. Like we've got all these new others. Um, like things are much more on ice since Sharon ruined all the the barrier stuff. So it's going to be uh. like a fundamentally different dynamic between them and the others yeah i think i think that's going to be really interesting um i I think that there's it's probably good for them that there's more there but i think that the others might possibly be a little bit more reserved with our kenneteers after learning about all these bindings and going to the brainwash school yeah yeah exactly Uh, i I guess I had the same thought, but then also this is the arc where Matthew Needeth offered to buy them a house. So who knows what their reaction is going to be. They're just trying to bribe them early on. <laughs> yeah. I also, I, I love that house bit because I, I think we've talked about this before, Ruben, but it's like immediately after Edith's like, let's buy them a house, then we get that thing where it's like, oh, and a reminder, Edith was at like the murder scene yeah. just before yeah. the murder happened. Yeah, Edith is definitely suspect number one, and she's trying to pay you off with the house. Yeah, so I can't view the house as as like a good thing, because it's like, just after we got the house offer, that it's like, oh, but remember, Edith probably done it. Mm. I love the house offer. I think it's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Because I swear it was bothering me, because I'm like, they need this, but how are they going to get this until another five years from now? Mm. I, I love it. I love that that, like, little real world uh like loose end just is completely tied up right away just like nope it's taken care of yeah we can actually like have conversations about like the practicality of it now because that Mm -hmm. that barrier has been taken away love it (laughs) yeah this this one did have some very interesting ideas to um like the the concepts of binding i thought were really interesting and a lot broader than I was thinking before, like seeing it in action and seeing teachers talk about it, like the idea of uh, just social norms, being able to bind someone, I I think is like the lesson I took from that class (laughs) where, you know, the lesson is literally, no, I said you should leave if you don't know how to handle this and y'all stayed here (laughs) (laughs) because you're students and I'm a teacher. (laughs) Like that's it. (laughs) Like they were literally bound by those social norms. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The well, idea. I mean, it's explicitly we've kind of thought about the idea of, you know, especially with relation to practitioners and others, and and the kind of in air quotes natural order that these systems have emerged into. We're literally making a text that uh, the the these systems, these systems of like labels of teacher and student and stuff like this, is just a construction that can be challenged and <laughs> and it has power, but only because it's kind of bought into, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, these yeah. things should be challenged. Yeah, very, I've, very interesting concept. I, I really, I really like that one a lot. It, mm. it also just shows like how obsessed with power dynamics and relationships, I guess, Durashay is and was trying to impart on everyone else. That she's like, 
you need to think about every interaction in terms of who's binding who and who's on top and who's below and it's just like that must be exhausting mm. oh yeah uh, some people just think like that though like real world people live yeah. like that absolutely mm. Mm. yeah I, I just i love that concept like that that to me is almost like such a fun concept it's i'm not quite on par with like the you can't lie lying loses you your power and how great that is for a storytelling device but this is super interesting too i i think yeah well and and, because you're right it goes to all those other things like there's the counting coup and and the claim and like you can make conversations yours by weaving in like your catchphrase into them and it's just like yeah like there's there's so much to everything yeah like it's all just like the the ritual of it the making a habit of things the social norms of something and just absolutely just taking those things into consideration is like just normal etiquette like not just out of politeness but out of power it's just such an interesting twist on it i i wonder if i i feel like we have these concepts of coup and claim and binding and stuff like this like this is another thing that makes it feel like this war isn't over right it's because these ideas have been narratively introduced but we haven't yet had the the moment where, for example, Bristow tries to, to uh, use his claim over his tenants and, and maybe the Kenneteers have some claim over Clem or, or Alexander has some claim over the Kenneteers or, or some narrative payoff to these concepts that have been introduced. Uh, some of them I don't think it's fully necessary. I mean, maybe binding will pay off with, for example, the Kennet others. But, yeah, I feel like especially with this coup stuff, there's just, again, there just hasn't been enough of a dramatic flourish to to its introduction to feel like it's fully served its purpose you know Mm -hmm. yeah like i I definitely feel we're gonna get more of that there's gonna be a comeback Mm. and it's it's gonna be bigger (laughs) and we've got uh bristow and verona's little uh competition sitting in the background as well the the gain saying that's gonna yes affect them if she can't make bristow regret going to kennet or sending people to kennet Yeah. Yeah, there's Ooh. too many dangling threads. I mean, we just need, there's got to be a showdown, right? I, I just want it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of stuff. I, I think there's so many more seeds that have been planted that we're just not seeing. Mm. Mm. Um, so we've touched on this arc a fair amount, Sesh. I'm curious if there's any more general stuff that we should dive into. I do have some. I mean, some of it's just concepts like we haven't seen a lot of uh say for verona's dad <laughs> in this mm. arc <laughs> and i was really sad by that yeah right like, <laughs> yes oh, i wish i had more of him in this story i miss I... it <laughs> <laughs> oh, do, yeah. you? do you <laughs> that was too far ellie <laughs> yeah, well, full swan <laughs> uh. uh yeah like i i mean i have i have a lot of little predictions of of course and one of my little bold predictions is we might not see him again. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty rough chapter last time we did uh, get to see him. And he's just, uh, honestly, like, he's just one of my favorite Wildbow, um, best, worst, real life, like lame ass people ever. <laughs> <laughs> like Wildbow has been able to make a couple of people like that throughout his stories. And man, he is just, he's one of them. Like he's just, he's so realistic. <laughs> the yeah, way he's he, definitely, like... 
He's definitely in the Wabo Hall of Fame of Bad Parents. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a yes, packed, that too. packed fucking hall. Um, yes, it's a it big, is. it's a big, it's a big list. I didn't but, know there yeah. was still room in there. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is funny how people like Verona's dad and and Paul as well just upset you so much more than like the giant monsters that attacked them or something. Yeah. Something much Absolutely. more horrifying. <laughs> It's because we know them. They're real. Like, we can pinpoint, like, oh, this person is just like that one jerk. Oh, I hate them so much. <laughs> like, there's literally, like, <laughs> like, the way he, like, uh, Verona's dad, like, wants everyone to just do things for him by way of pity, how he keeps score of every half nice thing he does, and is just unreasonable with how far he wants everyone else to go above and beyond with how much they love him and just forcing them to prove it all the time and it's just all the guilt trips oh my goodness he's so realistic <laughs> he's so annoyingly realistic as a person uh, it's like <laughs> just after you brought up like you're since verona like abandoned him we haven't gotten even a scrap of an update like you think it would have come up that he needed to hire help or she blocked just, it right yeah yeah, yeah like, I that's guess. why I I'm mean... just like, dude, like, she has, like, no home. Like, she, that was, like, I think, I don't know. Like, I, I think she may have done something a little bit too impulsive. Because I think there, like I said, there's a, there's a chance she's just not going to see him again. Yeah, well, it's been, I mean, yeah, it's been a week. And we have no updates. We have no idea what it could look like when she gets back. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we... Every single Verona chapter, we had at least some brief mention or interaction with her dad, and we just haven't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, the connections, she's like trying to block and break that connection. Like, I feel like there was the blocking the connection, but then like the way she left and didn't, I, I don't think we got any verification of anything either. Um, like it actually felt more like not just blocking it, but like breaking that connection. It sucks because it's like she obviously doesn't hate him, but ah, geez. Mm. Yeah, I, but then yeah, on the other hand, like where he was at, it, like I don't know, breaking ties might just be what you have to do. Uh, wait, because fixing him, I just don't know how feasible that was anymore. Not that it's going to make things better for him losing Verona, but it's certainly going to make things better for her. And Edith's going to buy her a nice new house, so <laughs> it's all fine. She she won't even have to go back. How great is that? Nothing <laughs> sad or depressing about any of that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think, uh, gosh, there was another thing that kind of came up. I, I sort of finally was able to put into a thought, I think, during this this chapter. Um, it, it's a lot more scary and sad, I'd say, than I realized to be an other than I thought. Um mm. Like, I, I had this thought when I was thinking about the practitioner school and how others just don't have that. They don't have schools. Um, mm. That combined with, like, all the reading on the familiar relationships, you know, like marriages with a master and a servant. Ha, 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 ha. Um, yep. <laughs> like, others, <laughs> others, like, don't have, like, this central hub to connect to each other and to learn from. They don't have like a safety net, like there's no learning resources. They don't have like a general community like the humans have made for themselves. Like just typically they're more on their own. And like, I think that was something that was talked about a little bit earlier about like, wow, why would they want to be bound? 
like at all or like even like be a familiar and like be tied down and it's like crap like I I think it gets them out of like all these scary situations like you know that you you hook up with this one person so you don't have to hook up with that person that's way worse like they're you know just (laughs) women in the middle ages (laughs) yeah like for sure like I think the familiar ritual was kind of framed as like you you become the familiar and then you don't have to deal with any of the other bullshit for (laughs) however long you're that practitioner's familiar so as long as you can find a practitioner who's not a turd um it's a pretty good deal just because of how terribly others are treated in general yeah it's like oh you could be a a servant hopefully you'll get a good master Uh, (laughs) like what a what a scary existence Mm. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, we've had, we had Fernanda in this chapter who talked about how basically if she didn't do enough to prove herself, she would be married off and that would be the only value she added to the family or that would be the way that the family kind of extracted value from her. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's not too dissimilar to what others have as kind of career prospects, right? Like, yeah, uh, practitioners are yeah, yeah. equal yeah. opportunity, terrible. They'll, yes. they'll do it to themselves <laughs> yes. as well family all of that it doesn't matter to them <laughs> mm. yeah it's it's very it, it was very interesting because it's definitely we're we're getting um like even just in this short amount of time we've seen so much from the others side of things and now we're seeing like the the deep diving into what the literal text of things say about the others and it's just it's so different mm. and not good no it's not good for our creepy other friends (laughs) Mm. um should we dive into some uh some predictions i love one of the things that we often do when we get these reflections episodes is force our guests to make some wild predictions Mm. (laughs) Um, i actually see (laughs) sesh you've got a prediction you're requiring from us which is a bit of a turnaround but i'll allow it (laughs) It's a it's a minor one for me, so it's my way to make us all talk about it. Um, what have you got for us? <laughs> so I was wondering, because I think this might be something that'll happen. Who do you think is most likely to mess up and cause big trouble for the other two of our trio? And how so? Hmm. Um, it's interesting. I I've definitely been enjoying the fact that there hasn't been any rift between these three that is unrecoverable. Um, so hopefully if there is a, a mess up that causes big trouble, it's something that the group can reunite to get to get past together. Mm-hmm. I, realistically, I just kind of think it would be Verona, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Verona, but she seems to be the most, not careless, maybe carefree of the group. She seems to me like the one who would be the most likely to bite off more than she can chew. Mm. Uh, like she'd mm-hmm. do something thinking it'll probably be fine and there's some factor she forgot to consider and it's not. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I think Avery Avery's in with a shot. Uh, like Avery can freeze up and, and you know, uh, I, I guess not really consider things. I mean, there was that whole thing in Arc 2 with the fairy uh, that that might be the closest they've come so far to one of them doing something yes. really, really stupid. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably the closest they've come. Um, I I have a semi prediction that uh, Verona might do something like something. I think that is gonna maybe make Lucy also a cat. 
something like that, where Ooh. then all of a sudden, like Avery has to step up and be group mom, kind of instead of Lucy. And they could just both be really pissed at her where she's like, I'm also a cat. Isn't this great, though? Or so, something in that league. I, I, I think something might happen where, like, their roles are are switched in some way that is definitely her fault. <laughs> and she didn't quite realize that that was going to be an issue. <laughs> How tragic would it be if Rona accidentally gets Lucy turned into an other? Like, oh. I, oh, I kind of thought about that. I, I that that's a small maybe in my my prediction book. I said something like this: Is it going to be like a full story thing or like a rest of the story thing? Which something like that would be because that's oh that'd be a big bad. That'd be a big bad, not a little bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would be that would be a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it. I I do think it'd be her too because I think like what we've seen. Um, we've seen now lucy like she's had her self-discovery ritual so she has like a better sense of herself i I think that's something that's just people need time to reflect and self-analyze to be able to grow and be more harmonious with themselves like irl life lessons i don't feel like verana's quite had that yet i think with avery she uh didn't realize she went through it but i think she kind of (laughs) did Yeah, I, mean, I think the Forest Ribbon Trail was, was mm-hmm. similar in some ways. Yeah, like uh, like we had like a lot of, um, I think I broke this up in a couple of parts, but uh, I, th- I think we've had some very like great Lucy and Avery character growth and realization in this way. I say growth and not development because Rada is like also amazingly developed, but she hasn't gotten like her own core yet like Lucy has or like a... a Avery was able to like Avery was able to articulate something about like her core self and about wanting to always try to be good. And that that's a self-realization, like to know that about yourself and like to kind of make that promise to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cause I suppose you're like, I think arc five, all the stuff with Daniel and Clem did sort of play off Verona's whole thing of wanting to become an other, but it wasn't like, as explicit as one of these fantastic rituals that forces you to analyze yourself. Yeah. Uh, like I, I really, I'm so excited for when we actually uh, get the chance where Verona is forced to be with her own thoughts and think of herself and <laughs> consider herself and these things. I mean, how, how great, like I wish the implement ritual was real so that I could like just do it. Cause there was the whole thing where Lucy could just, cancel it apparently at any time and i'm sure there's some consequences but like a three-day retreat of like literal self-discovery like that sounds actually very valuable it sounds amazing i want to do that for sure and i loved what her implement was so much and the perks of it like i because i you know i read through i read the chapter about all the implements and seeing what ones would fit me of course as everyone should do when they read that (laughs) (laughs) and like Nothing was really as good as that. Like, I, I thought, like, maybe rings, because I like rings probably more than earrings, but it's great. And then that little perk, I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's even a better perk than what a ring would do. Like, it didn't even mention, like, pens or, like, fountain pens or, like, anything like that. And that's what mm. I was sort of leaning towards. So even with, like, Lucy's implement, I'm like, this is better than what was in the book. I'm down. I'm so down for it. <laughs> 
I've been rereading Arc 2 as well, and it is, it's so obvious that she has, like, a thing with eavesdropping, even in mm-hmm. Arc 2, that I'm, like, shocked I didn't see anyone guess it as well. Like, I, I just reread the chapter. There's, like, a whole scene where Aunt Heather's in the house, and, oh, like, yeah. Lucy's listening to her mom and Aunt Heather have a conversation, yep. and there's just so many things like that. I'm just like, oh, it was, it was right there. Like, it really was. Yeah, Wobbo's been planting this seed the whole time and we didn't even notice. <laughs> He's so good at that. I wonder if Verona does get the domain. Like, I wonder if, if like, how she decorates it will be her her version of one of these self-discovery rituals. Like, you know, you need to confront yeah. yourself to, like, yeah, I guess, does she have to figure out how she furnishes domain and what that looks like? Oh, my gosh. Just think about how important that would be for her like she doesn't have like a lot of like stuff like remember like we there's been talks about like her clothing and like how few like shirts and like jeans and stuff she has mm. like just to be able to fill out a place i think she has a collection of skulls am i misremembering that <laughs> <laughs> i think they touched on it in art one i think she collects skulls oh no i, I want to see right. it yeah. <laughs> i think so yeah, like, yeah, oh, her, her, I, I want to see what she does. Black. I know. Yeah, that's, I, I, I'm doubling down on how much I want this. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's going to build the sort of domain we need to see, it is Verona. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 100%. Um, something else we should, we should discuss, uh, some, a common question that we always uh, dive into is, who's your favorite Kenneteer sesh? <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a very good question. Um, hmm. I do weirdly relate a lot to Avery, like her now becoming a vegetarian. Her, uh, I was sporty as a kid, and funny enough, also homeschooled. <laughs> uh, but I am I'm such a fan of Lucy. Like she is, she's so fun, and especially on this little self discovery journey that she went on, I was just. Uh, she's she's like a a thirteen year old hero of mine. <laughs> she's she's great. Like I I do I'm a big fan of her and like oh man like even like just like her aesthetic. I'm like I'm more inspired to like draw her as far as uh, pale reflections imagery goes than like anything else I've seen so far in it. And like just with like the hair and like all of the mist and the fox like it's and all the red. She's just a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree that it's weird how much I look up to Lucy as a role model. <laughs> She's the group mom. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, about, I have I'm the most fun with her. What about you, Ruben? Have you where where are you sitting at these days? I'm I mean, so this this arc has been even more a dive into what makes Lucy great and therefore I'm just even more of a Lucy stan than I used to be. Like <laughs> continuously and over the course of this arc in particular it, it's just the lucy's awesome show so yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm fully on board team lucy and you i i'm still i'm still sitting in verona's <laughs> corner I, I i i agree i love lucy and i look up to her but i think verona's just the one i relate to the most verona just is on the same level as me and i i, I love everything she does she is a lot of fun all of them combined are just they're so fun they're great together <laughs> I will. I will yeah. say with Lucy, I thought um, after reading about the implements and like the different options that we might be presented, you know, like maybe there was an implement we were going to see in the book that Lucy might be getting. We didn't know at mm. the time. Um, 
I, I did almost think that she would have gone uh, just pedal to the metal and actually did a sword. It might. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I, I only think that instead of like any of these other things, because a lot of the other weapons were just weapons, but a sword was a uh, it was an offense and defense uh, implement. Yeah. So I, I was thinking that might be something for her. But like, oh, man, I, thoughts were blown out of the park, like just the earrings and the eavesdroppings. So perfect. And even um, speaking again, like on her like aesthetic, like having something that's giving her confidence in like the way she looks, because she does take so much of that into consideration. All mm-hmm. it's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's great. Um, let's talk about the name of the arc, Cutting Class. Um, it's w- worth us diving into the meaning of this arc and trying to, of this arc title and trying to dive into what we think the hidden meanings of this might be. So obviously cutting class is an expression that means skipping class or wagging or jigging, which is what we used to call it in school, but I've learned <laughs> this is not a common expression that anyone else seems to know. <laughs> not in the US. <laughs> no, I've what got, do you call I... it in the US? It's cutting class, skipping class. Oh, you don't have any cool words for it? Oh, That's gosh. sad. I wasn't a cool person, though. <laughs> I, also I literally think... never skipped once. <laughs> I also don't think Americans are as interested oh. in avoiding uh, two words at a time like true. i think australians yeah, we, are like allergic to saying more than one word <laughs> we have a uh, playing hooky oh, that's yeah. right yeah classic that's a yes, classic american very very cool word playing hooky <laughs> cool phrase <laughs> well, I, I always called it wagging i i've never heard of jigging ruben like you i don't think you can even claim that's an australianism i think that's just a Whatever school you went to isn't. I'm sure other people called it jigging. Uh, I anyway. want to now. <laughs> yeah, it's a great word for it. Just so I could. J- Would it be jig, jig the class? Yeah, you jig. <laughs> <laughs> you jig class. Um. Anyway, so that's <laughs> one meaning of cutting class, obviously. But uh, you know, the the verb cutting is so evocative that I love it. Um, like. Uh, potentially a class where you learn to cut things i'm not sure if we have any examples of that in this arc but i thought it was fun Ooh, actually i do flashback oh yeah i i have a very good one for cutting actually Mm. you you cut something in half like our feud between our uh Mm. yeah so you cut through that so literally the classes have been cut in half right yep the sides have been divided like when Alexander took over the class and a bunch of them just like left. He mm. he, he cut the class. Mm. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, the other one that I thought of was cutting class maybe is probably a very real expression. I mean, something like, you know, let's quit the bullshit, right? Cutting class as in cu- cutting the trappings of class, right? Um, Ooh, I like that. Especially with like the um, the social norms I was talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So cutting class, you could say, is cutting away the 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 fineries and social trappings and social norms that have made the practitioner world terrible. Lucy is the epitome of cutting class. She she gets right to the point. She cuts right to you know to the quick, um, and and gets to the point. So maybe that's a meaning of it. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think like the textbooks, that a lot. Yeah, I think the textbooks in this. Uh, arc like really played up the like classism that exists between practitioners and others so the idea that you're cutting away at that or that you know it's a shitty and violent dynamic like playing into the 
the arc title makes sense. Mm. So many. They also just meanings. did sleep through a class. They did just skip one. <laughs> oh come on, Ellie. That's literally <laughs> did. In fact, <laughs> they're reading that chapter. Oh, this is it. This is where they cut the class. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> Check um, the box. <laughs> Uh, the one other thing that we always have to uh, check in on, of course, is uh, Sesh. Who do you think killed the Carmine Beast? Okay, so <laughs> okay, so in all of Wildbo's ratings, I have been a great judge of character, like who's going to be a friend or foe of the protagonist. Mostly, like for example, small prediction here: I predict we will see a lot more of Clem. Because she's just too fun not to have around. Mm. Um, I hope you're right. I I I feel it. It's gonna happen. She's too great. Like uh, one comment about her, just before I get too into this prediction thing, is reading everything around her and that's happening to her. It's like watching every single supernatural horror movie ever. <laughs> like she's just running into like oh is this a ghost or a haunted thing oh this thing is like a little trinket that does this and then like oh no that's just like some ghoul that's like following me in my attic and like she's just <laughs> she's just living through every like all of these like tropey funny well not funny but tropey like horror movies that have anything to do with like the supernatural and it's just i'm so entertained by it <laughs> Like she's Especially like so good. <laughs> I feel like she's at the point now where if she was to get like paranormal activity, she'd just be yes. like, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> like hasn't she been? Like I mean, <laughs> yeah, she probably has. Yeah, like I, it's great. Like she's so good. I feel like we're gonna discover one day that like, oh, Wild Bo like actually started writing this story, and it was just gonna be her. <laughs> like the whole story <laughs> was just gonna just be her, and then. Well, we'll build from there. But now she's just in someone else's story. <laughs> but she's great. Anyways. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Just just to ask a follow-up. If if you think Clem's coming back, will we also get to see more of her best friend, Sharon? Oh, my mm. gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Can I just say, like, um, particularly... I, I mean, maybe, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on a limb here and say particularly as an American. Oh, boy. Reading her... <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. It was uh it was familiar. <laughs> and then later on very juicy. We have to have her back cuz I need I need to just not want to punch things and it's good to be able to read <laughs> things that make me feel like I'm punching things. It's very satisfying. <laughs> so I hope she comes back and just has the worst time. I really do. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, concerningly fun to see her like stuck in the back of that car <laughs> it's uh, amazing yeah like there's <laughs> there's a word for this weird american phenomenon now I, I love it it's great just like oh yeah the skeptic yes following all the science uh-huh yeah sure uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> i hate her i hate her so much it's oh. i love it <laughs> um but yes yeah, so um my my big my big prediction here is mm -hmm. well that Matthew let out the doom to kill the beast and that's been said before kind of like him or Edith but my bigger prediction is a two-parter he did it because of an outsider who was plotting to kill the beast I suspect somebody specifically outside practitioners intended to kill the beast and claim the power void keeping order for themselves 
And by the local others doing the deed instead, it keeps the others in charge of tenant. The other slash practitioner precedences that so many of the books and our friendly others and teachers keep talking about is going to be the big bad conflict of the story. I really like this. I love the idea that we've been talking for so long about how surprisingly powerful the Kennet the Kenneteers are. And therefore, almost certainly, there's some practitioners who want to take that power for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the twist, the idea of uh, the the Kenneth others killing the Carmine Beast kind of preventatively to stop someone else claiming that power, I think is also delightful. Mm. <laughs> um, it's a really fun idea. I, I just, it, in these stories, I just, I'm always looking for the bigger bad. What's the bigger thing around the corner? Mm. And I, I just think, like, something that was just totally able and easily uh, just to take all this power and to be able to kill it like is would be really interesting because then our girls would have to go up against that so which practitioner do we think that's going to be do we think Bristol or Alexander (laughs) or someone else Nicolette Oh man, that I haven't quite gotten that far into it, but I do think they might be tied to Bastora Alexander, but loosely. Mm. Like uh, why, why mm. he was looking into Kenneth was maybe he got word that this other practitioner he knows of was looking towards, you know, taking a power void there, and he got curious. But uh, that's about as far as I am as as far as that part of the prediction goes. We do know Departer. that why is away and is busy. But we don't know mm. what he's doing. Yes. Hmm. It might mm. it might just be a new one. Maybe they have a loose tie. I don't necessarily feel like anyone, any practitioners we've seen, it has like a direct hand in it. Like they might be related or something, but I, I don't think it's necessarily anyone we've actually met just yet. Told I, I could be totally wrong. Like I said, I I with the big plot things like this, like the whoa, what's around the next corner? Somehow I am just always led astray. <laughs> but we're going to see Clem again. We're going to see Clem again. Wait, I, I, like, uh, your your theory that the Doom was released to do it made me think of an interesting question, which is, like, do we think the Doom wants Edith to die or wants to be the one to kill her? Like, mm, what if the Carmine Beast was coming to kill her and the Doom's like, hey, that's my job? Ooh. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the Doom killed the Carmine Beast defending Edith. That's a crazy theory. <laughs> oh, it's and so then like crazy. Matthew and Edith are just like, sorry. Whoopsies. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was just self-defense the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a twist it would be. <laughs> Um, I love these theories. It's great. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else that we want to touch on uh, before we start to wrap up? Oh, boy. Uh, there's so much good in this. <laughs> yeah, this has been such a, like, wholesomely fun story. Like, yeah, it, it's always heartwarming uh, once the, you know, violent, terrible things stop. They I do that this. a lot. I mean, I, I can say I, I did really, really love when Kenneth was being attacked. Like, just getting that little taste of all these terrifying others and, like, fighting them and running from them. That was... Because I'm a big horror movie fan, and so that those were my chapters. 
Yeah, the uh, Avery fighting that pig dog guy. Oh, he's great. He's imprinted in my head for sure. Yes. <laughs> he's so awful. I loved it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Sesh. Uh, actually, before we wrap up, I should say we're probably going to have a packed spoilers section at the end of this episode, but we'll do that after the outro. Um, so if you're keen on hearing some thoughts with packed spoilers in mind, uh, stick around. But for the rest of you, yeah, thanks for joining us, Sesh. <laughs> it's been great having you on the show. Oh, thank um, you for having me. It's it's a ton of fun. No, of course. Uh, would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, they can find me basically on all the social medias. I do stream on Twitch under SeshiV, and I am on Twitter as SeshiV as well. Um, yes, Sesh E-V-Y, so search yep. for that and you'll you'll easily find Sesh. Um, yeah, it's been great having you on the show. I really loved all of your wild predictions. I'm very <laughs> much on board with most of them, so uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, actually, speaking of socials, if you want to check out the show, you can check out our Twitter as well, which is at MediaMD Podcast or Power <laughs> Reflections, which is it? I can't even remember. It's now. at MediaMD. Power Reflections was too long. They wouldn't let right. me change it. That's right. Um, Twitter's so really yeah, just about characters. find us on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> uh, don't forget to stop by the Doof Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Uh, you know, these shows wouldn't exist without our Patreon supporters. Yes, uh, and of course, while you're on Patreon, head on over to Arbo's Patreon and make sure you support him as well, because of course, he creates all these fine uh, words and worlds that we inhabit here in our show each week. Um, now, for those of you who haven't read Pact, get out of here. For the rest of you, let's go back to Pact. Uh, Sesh, you got a lot of stuff that you want to talk about that's Pact spoilers, huh? <laughs> uh, I do. I do have some. There's, there's definitely some. I've, I've been, I've been in the wild bow uh, worlds for a while now. So, <laughs> yeah, I, this is exciting because we actually, uh, we were going to have you on all packed up at one point, but uh, it just didn't come together, unfortunately. So. Yeah, uh, you know, you got to make sure your notification settings are right on everything is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's too many socials to keep up with. How can you? It's but true. So it's... Is... <laughs> I mean, this is great. Now we can finally do what we what we should have done months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there, There is one thing. It, it's more about it, it's a little bit about um, your podcast and about PAC. And I think maybe even in a recent Pale Reflections podcast, it was asked, why is Wildbo giving us so much extra material? Like, is he reminding us slash informing mm. us of relevant things to the plot? Or is he just making us go crazy? Um, and I wanted to oh, remind both. you. Yeah, it's very possible, <laughs> especially with him. <laughs> um, and I wanted to remind you that uh, I swear it was even back in PAC, we asked for more stronger opponents we said we wanted textbooks of this world of pack <laughs> <laughs> and wildbo is delivering it so we are getting what we asked for <laughs> yeah it is great i mean i remember when we had like the implement text and stuff in pack <laughs> i just it was just so much fun and <laughs> and these are just again so much fun to go through Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I love was... the drawings too. Like it's so much. It's so above and beyond. I love it. Yeah, Wabo has just blown me away with his art skills alongside writing in these extra materials. Uh but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> these these textbook bits we got. Like the three we got here. I, I, I think it 
kind of wiped Wabo out a bit because I think it was just after that he took his first ever week off. Um, <laughs> but like they were so uh, um, amazing. Like you know, like thank you Wabo for doing that because yeah, definitely a dream come true for. Uh, I, I remember absolutely. it was like our mantra in Deep Impact. Yep, that we wanted the textbooks <laughs> in this world. <laughs> It really was. That's why I thought it was so funny you guys didn't immediately just say that in the podcast. Like, we got the textbooks we've been wanting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's really great. Like, he just goes above and beyond and just like, person shouldn't have like all those different kinds of talents, but I'll take it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, so they, I definitely have like a few other little interesting things, like tying uh, Pact into like, this world because of course i mean if you've read that you're gonna do that um man blake was just so out of luck from the (laughs) get-go i know he had like bad karma and all of that but like seeing these three connected girls who connected with probably mostly friendly others right away and to see them go to an actual school for practitioners and even though they are wild practitioners it are doing everything different. They are so much more connected and prepared for this world than Blake ever was. <laughs> like, yeah, by leagues. <laughs> I mean, imagine Blake getting three days to do the implementation. There's no way that would have happened. And he needed it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, he would have solved all of his own problems if he had that time to just sit and think. <laughs> Although, also, it from my memory of Blake, he wouldn't have. He he always, as much as he was pushed into more bad situations, he was also often running headfirst into them. His he was not his the most required no, his required like three day ritual would have been like eighteen hours. He's like, I did enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been nice for him. I think he really. Man, he he really got the short end of the stick. Like, it's like what what could he do that these girls? I mean, he could drive. Like, that's uh, that's a problem they've had. They can't drive. Big deal. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'd take that. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Uh the, the other I mean, thing I, I didn't want to. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, uh, on the topic of like packed, like I can't. Uh, wait, this this arc really hammered home the these sorts of metaphors around like you know viewing others as as uh like a group of people who are being like oppressed and stuff yeah. i can't wait to see pale readers who go yeah. into pact second and like ha- have already have this idea of like others as as you know people who are being oppressed and like like i can just see some of them like meeting demons and it's like odd you know but you know these poor <laughs> demons are being like yeah they're, oppressed, they're gonna be know? like man why are these demons so awful <laughs> Like, to see someone trying to defend them, it's like, you know, it's probably hype. Like, the demons aren't actually as bad as everyone's making out. <laughs> like, seeing, Seriously. Uh... Yeah. Like, it's there, there's so many more, like, layers of, like, literal oppression to this. Like, it's, and, like, yeah, it, it's, it's upsetting because, like, there was a little bit of that, like, argument or, I guess, conversation that was happening. Like, oh, are they, like, sentient? Or they, do they do good? Do they do bad and like man like that's it it doesn't feel like they're just like forces of nature anymore like not worth reading this one like a lot of the time most of the time it felt like they were just you know part of like nature and like the way things work Mm -hmm. and like they just there's no sentience there there's no like thought there there's no anything 
there. Like they're animals basically is, is how it was very much made out in back. It's just, that's definitely different now. <laughs> and it's that it's opening, opening new doors. I, I think demons and angels were set up as like different to all the other others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that happens quite at the start. So yeah, like I just can't wait for someone to come from Pale and find out Barbatorum is lo- has been locked in the basement for fifty years and think, <laughs> oh, that poor fellow. Like you know, this is so mean <laughs> of these right? these nasty Thorburns to lock up this poor other for fifty years and yeah. Barbatorum's gonna get out and it's like, oh no, that that was a good call. Yeah. Oh man. Like I remember there was a little bit of a conversation about um like Rose even like wait so like is Rose like so like she's an other is she like your other. Like, are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to bind her? And he's kind of just like, mm. wait, no, no, she's, <laughs> she's, she's Rose. She's, she's a person. A person yeah. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there was a little bit of that. And even like someone like her, who was just so clearly aware, like even that conversation back then was like, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I think like one other thing I've noticed in this one. And so it has me very curious is, uh, the abyss so it mm. packed it was it was so mysterious and terrible and i i think if i remember remembering right like i don't even know if it was mentioned before we were just thrown into it um and in this story it's been mentioned like offhand multiple times by like other students it's like a known thing it seems like less scary than it used to be but it really really makes me wonder like what horrible things there are still in this world that Wildbo has planned for us that we haven't even seen yet. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I mean, we kind of just have the vibe that everything in Pale is a little bit nicer. <laughs> it has a little <laughs> bit blunter edges than than some of the stuff impacted, right? Like others, we don't have any others that are truly hundred percent evil, like we mm-hmm. definitely did in Pact, right? Yes, <laughs> we don't have anything that's like absolutely white and uh, white and black morality to the same extent right Mm -hmm. and i wonder whether it's a fact a factor of we're seeing it through different eyes or it's a factor of we're just not seeing the absolutely terrible parts of the world yeah i think it's a bit of both yeah like it's probably a bit of both like it feels very much like it's different um uh like different experiences right now um like speaking of like black and white like uh just to jump back into uh um pale for a little bit like gray sunshine mm. like and how like lucy was conflicted with like how she felt about him that whole uh about like the his friend like being forsworn and like all of that and man I, i'd say like she was kind of too rough on him like it wasn't quite a black and white issue like he was kind of in a complicated feeling situation and I, I think mm. it's just like that, where it's just a little bit more complicated than it seemed in Pact. Like, I mean, like for me, like yeah. the abyss, like that concept of just like getting apparently thrown there. However, you know, you go to the abyss and like just being completely erased is like so terrifying. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like one of the scariest things he's ever, Wubbo's <laughs> ever made. And it's just, it's interesting to me that it's kind of just like this known thing where it's like, oh yeah, you don't want to travel through there. Like, eh. yeah. like well, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, how is I mean, that even maybe, in the same sentence? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the fact that, that practitioners don't treat it like this, it's this crazy other thing, which it feels like to us, is an indication that actually the whole world is just this terrible. <laughs> right? Oh man. Well, 
<laughs> I think Blake probably copped the worst the Abyss had to offer as well, as he was wont to do. The universe liked to throw its worst at Yeah, uh, I think they mentioned that too. Like, don't be there if like you have a physical form, I think is what it yeah. was. Yeah, exactly. Like, he got sent there because he had all his connections cut, so he became something that was almost entirely just physical. So the Abyss was able to do all this terrible stuff to him, whereas, like, you know, if you think about the time he took, like, all of his cousins in, you know, like, it wasn't a good time. Mm. It's a shit place to be, but they came out human. Yeah. Um, like, it was just, yeah, it was just a bad place to visit. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, conceptually, like, what happens, like, when you're gone and in the Abyss, super terrifying, like, non-existence <laughs> thing. I, I think you guys even brought up how, like, uh, one of the things I remember, because I remember thinking about it, but you guys brought it up, was... Uh, uh, like, oh, Blake just doesn't use a cell phone, but he definitely has a cell phone in the earlier chapters before he gets thrown into the abyss. Like, even, like, <laughs> little like de- little details like that and just, like, that total erasure uh, is just so... Oh, what a, what a great, great concept. And then it's also awful for you presently while you're there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I'm really torn between wanting the Kenneteers to have to go there just because I think it would be funny, but I imagine <laughs> Walbo's leaving the Abyss as like, you know, if you're meant to be able to go from Pale to Pact, I could see him not wanting to touch it because he wants the Abyss to hit in Pact still. Right. Um, but it would just, it would be so hilarious to for Avery to end up there. Oh, she's the one who keeps being like, <laughs> oh, you know, it, the Abyss, we went to the ruins. It's like the ruins, right? And everyone's always like, uh... <laughs> I just think it'd be hilarious if Avery accidentally took a wrong turn on her pathfinding and ended up in the abyss. Oh boy! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're gonna formalize the uh, familiar <laughs> relationship. <laughs> like, quick, we need more power. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's it for me and for Pact. I, I got a couple of you know wild bow overall things, but extra spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> extra overall spoilers, yeah. Double another double spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one. Um, I, I it's not a huge one, uh, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just I. I'm already having a spark of looking forward to Welbo's next book. I'm guessing is going to be a sequel to Twig. The, I wonder if that's true or not. I mean, I see the pattern, but <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I think Welbo said when he started Pale, it wasn't like his intention to do another pack after and like another Parahumans. I mean, yes, it yeah. wasn't his intention, but it's happening. So yeah. <laughs> maybe well, see, it's with, just with... the Welbo cycle. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's his cycle. I, I really do because, and it could go either way. Like it doesn't have to like, cause I, I mean, obviously uh, um, like Worm and Ward, like those were like direct sequels. Like it, it really was like, there's just so much of what happened in Worm that you need to enjoy Ward more. Mm. And mm. this, I, I don't feel like this, that's existing in this story at all. Like it just feels like it's the same world. It doesn't feel like, a sequel like there's not there's references to things but it's like it's just like light references it's like the abyss it's you know like it's not it's not nearly as tied or connected like you know the, none of these main characters were seen in the other book <laughs> so i i think he could definitely do a sequel and i have 
no opinion either way. I would love it if we're just back in that world, regardless of who our main characters are. I, yeah, I didn't make it far enough in Twig to know how desperately that world needs. Like, I guess when I finished Pact, I was like, we have to come back to this world. It's so... Mm. Like, mm-hmm. Pact felt like it barely scratched the surface. I, I, I didn't read enough of Twig to know if, like, yeah, like, if, if I was just going to be like, we need more of this. <laughs> I probably would, because I felt that way about every Wild Boy work, I suppose. It's just so well... It, it's very well done, and it's just... it's. There's a lot of great friendly monsters in it. Like it doesn't seem like it's quite, you know, like there's necessarily another uh, layer to unveil in that one as much as these other stories. But damn, it's good, and I I definitely see more of it happily. Here's my alternative pitch to Walbo's future roadmap of stories. After Pale, we do another Pactverse story. <laughs> then we do another Pactverse story. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, and then. And then we do the fifth and final standalone Pactverse story. See, all of these are the same as Pale. You don't need to have read the others. Because mm-hmm. then we move into the the sixth one, which is like an Avengers-style team-up. We get, like, yeah. we, we get the can of tears. We get Blake all the and the can of tears and Rose all together. <laughs> Evan gets to meet Snowdrop, the crossover we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I mean, get, yeah, some, we... of, some of my friends have been talking about these crossovers, you know, you, you get these sequels, <laughs> each one's going to have, each one of these is going to be a trilogy, and then there's going to be a seventh one, and that's where all of the worlds collide. Oh, I will. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so just my, since this is my first time being able to speak about Wildbow specifically on any of the Duke Media cast stuff. It's always been something else that I've been a uh, go-to guest for. Um, <laughs> uh, having the chance uh, just to talk about his writing outside of just saying it's amazing. I have to say I've been following along for now approaching like seven years and I just need to add that he's fantastic at writing women and girls. It's just it's so wonderful to have such diverse characters and personalities and them all being believable and realistic and interesting. Like it's I love it. Yeah, I I, I obviously can't can't speak to that from my own experiences, but I, I do distinctly remember uh I, I got my sister to read Worm shortly after I did, and um she finished it and we were talking and I, I used like the pronoun he to talk about Wobbo as we're talking about it, and she was like, Oh, uh, is isn't the author a woman? And <laughs> and I was like, no, like Wabo uses he pronouns. He's definitely a man. And she was like, oh, I just assumed like Taylor was so well written. She just assumed Wabo <laughs> was was female because Taylor was so believable and realistic that it had to have been a woman who wrote that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think he's just so good at characters. Like he just absolutely is fantastic at like like I said, like not just making interesting characters, but making them so realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Anything else that we want to touch on while while we're all in this group together? I think that's it for show stuff for me. If you wanted to talk more movie terms, I'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dream, I'll, I'll dream casting for the Kenneteers. <laughs> Who have you got? Oh. Ooh, I mean, all right. Let's start here. Anya Taylor-Joy has really been making a name for herself recently with Queen's Gambit, and she was in Emma. She'd be a great Verona. Put yes. Put that out there. thousand percent. Um, who else? 
Oh, uh, what was her name? Mm, for both, for both our other two, though, I'm feeling older. Let's see. Yeah, I'm assuming like because I'm just not familiar with any actresses who are like 13. Like I'm assuming we're talking like <laughs> an aged up set of Kennedys. Well, usually, like you'd get what someone who's 15 or 16 to play a 13 year old, right? That's about right. They yeah, do it'd that. Be something they like definitely that. do that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that'd be tough. I definitely picture them like very vividly. Um, mm. Gosh, I'm trying to think of the movie because I, I swear like I picture like a very specific actress for Avery and I'm trying to think of what the movie was. It was like some Disney mm. one. Just that like short kind of cherry blonde hair and the freckles. Like I, I can't remember the name of it. It's one of the, like, their live action sports things, as, you know, as Disney does. Hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> Sish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of an actress, and I can't even think of the movie. That's my problem. <laughs> Let's see. Huh. Who was um, the daughter in Us? That's what. Oh, that's who I'm looking for as well. Damn it! Because she was great. I've yes. been sniped. <laughs> so I was. Uh, I think it was. I'm looking at IMDb now. Oh, no, wait. Is this one? No. Well, post in the comments your dream fan casting for the Kennedys, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know teenage actors. We, or... Yeah, we can't just spend the rest of this episode on IMDb, folks. Oh, okay. Uh, there, there was a girl in Love, Simon, who I think might potentially be a good Lucy. Um, all right. Well, but... I'd have to dive into that to even find the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, great recording. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Uh, I, I guess this one's for all the Australians out there, but we just de-age and, and redo the, the, the girls from the Saddle Club, Ruben. Oh, okay. Wait, okay. The Saddle Club. I'm trying to... The, I'll be honest. The only person I can remember from the Saddle Club is Veronica, who was the villain of the, <laughs> the, the show. So I don't know if I'm doing I'm doing well. I think um, the Saddle Club's Australian. No, I think oh. it is. Oh, Australian-Canadian, right? actually, apparently. Oh, there you go. So hmm. the perfect the perfect casting for a live, <laughs> live action film. <laughs> I, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks uh i guess that's that thanks for joining us sesh again thanks for coming on the show it's been great having you mm. uh, thank and, you so uh, much again for having me always a blast yeah well we'll see you next time yeah.